0: back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Joining me today, I have Natalie Bullock, who's the, one of the regional managers for UFOS. If you're not familiar with UFOS, we're going to get it deep into them during this episode. And then she's also a you know a runner, so she's done a lot of running going, going through high school and then into college at a D3 school and even ran steeplechase, which we want to talk about in depth because I think steeplechase is currently the closest thing we have to OCR in the Olympics, even though there's no upper body obstacles. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about UFOs, some of the benefits for you as an athlete, or for if you're looking to get a pair for some of your extended family, some of the benefits there too. So Natalie, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me.
0: Good. Yeah, it's going great. And uh, thanks for coming on. You know, you did a separate talk with just the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team a couple of weeks ago, and it was really informative and really good. So we wanted to share some of that with the uh, wider training audience here. So yeah, absolutely. Let's first let's talk about a little bit about you and then we'll dive into ufos in the second half of the episode. So um I kind of give you a very brief introduction on some of your background. So tell us a little bit about more about you as an athlete.
1: Yeah. Uh, um I was I was a huge soccer player growing up. Uh, I actually only got into running when I got into high school and I did cross country and tried out for the team uh, in hopes of just keeping in shape for soccer uh, later in that year. And I ended up really enjoying running, uh, kind of went off with a bang. I got, I got the, the runner's itch that, you know, the, the high that everyone talks about that you just kind of want to keep going with it and see what happens. Um, so I ran track and cross country in high school and then decided to go uh, to a little D3 school called California Lutheran University, uh, which is about inland of Malibu. Uh, in California. And I ended up doing uh, track and cross country there as well. Uh, Ended up kind of specializing in steeplechase as my like main event that I wanted to focus on while also doing 5Ks and and, uh, the 6Ks and stuff. Um, So yeah, it was one of those ideas where it was like, I've played soccer my whole life. Do I continue playing soccer in college? Or do I, you know, really kind of dive into running? And I just chose the running path. And I don't regret it at all. I mean, I even went on afterwards to train a little bit more heavily after college on my own uh, and do some half marathons and dabble in a couple of those in the area I was living, which is Thousand Oaks, California. Um, I did the Pacific half marathon, which is extremely hilly, if anybody knows that one. And you run through the hills of Malibu. And I won that one two times in a row, went for a three-peat and got second. And Kind of crushed me a little bit, crushed the ego, but it, it was really fun. It was a different way of racing than I never had and it was it was that's kind of my career in a nutshell uh, now i'm I'm a casual distance runner I'm going out every, every couple miles uh, here and there throughout the week uh, very casually and just doing it for fun
0: cool, so just out of curiosity, what was your PR for half marathon distance
1: uh, one thirty um, and it's, it's interesting because I've only done that one half marathon and that was the only one I've ever done. I did it three times in a row. Um, but I think, and this is just me being, you know, if, if I were to run flat, cause that there was, yeah, there's was a lot say. of elevation yeah. race. And if I were to run flat during that time where I was in probably my best shape, I think I could have gone sub 127. Um, but I never ever raced flat. And that's something I kind of every once in a while think back to and say, Hmm, maybe I could have done it. Maybe I could have done it. Will I ever get back in that shape? Who knows? But there's, there's something inside of me that's like, I could probably get there if I, if I train for it.
0: Nice. Now you mentioned steeplechase and I want to talk about that a little more. Describe for people what steeplechase is and how long it is. If yeah, so
1: steeple chase is, uh, for those of you, it's on a track, um, it is seven and a half laps uh, with four barriers at every in every lap and a water pit jump. So technically, there's five obstacles, as, as you'd kind of call it. Um, it's an interesting race because, first off, a lot of people don't really know what it is, and it's like, wait, what? Like, that actually happens on a track? Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, for me, it splits up the redundancy of running in circles. Um, I mentally thought it was one of the most challenging races I've ever done in my life, but it was also the most rewarding. Um, because I mean, you're, you're jumping over barriers, you're breaking up your stride constantly every single lap. And then you have a water pit where you basically, it's a barrier and the water is just after it. So you have to jump on top of the barrier. And kind of sail through the water you're going to get a little bit wet so you then you're you know you're really in it you're w- running the entire race with wet feet you're splashing around there's people all around you it's it's it just makes it more fun for me personally versus just doing like you know 12 laps for a 5k just r- on repeat
0: yeah absolutely i think our listeners can definitely um empathize with that i mean i, I think most of us got into obstacle course racing because of um, at some point got bored of running or, you know, wanted something a little bit more and the obstacles definitely break things up. I know for me personally, I love ultra obstacle course racing. So, you know, like five plus hours in length, but (laughs) when it comes to just regular ultra running, like I just get so bored out of my mind, you know, and I I've done plenty of ultras in my, in my, uh, background, but I, I just don't, don't have a desire to go run straight ultra. So definitely hear you there. Now I, you know, I, I, picture when I hear steeplechase to me, that's the, that's what if OCR ever goes to the Olympics. That's what it looks like. Cause it's, you know, it's standardized. You don't have to worry about different changes in elevation and stuff like that. And you essentially theoretically, right. I could just build a platinum rig on the side of the track and some other obstacles. And basically you run around the track and then you can veer off to do that obstacle and come back in. So, you know, that's the way I would, if, if people want to say, OCR is currently in the Olympics, I think you could make a decent argument that steeplechase is a, you know, precursor or a, you know, form of OCR.
1: Oh, I agree. I think it'd be awesome to see something like that.
0: Now, now how much, you know, I think, you know, we see times on a track and then we see, um, you look at steeplechase times and they're substantially slower. Like how much does it slow you down per mile? um, If you, if you can remember. Versus like if you were just running straight on the track versus once you start doing steeplechase and you start adding in all those hurdles and those, uh, water pits and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, training for steeple was something unlike I'd ever done because, um, usually if, if I'm doing like 400 workouts or something like that, I'm supposed to be hitting this certain time. That's very similar to Like your 5k speed It's kind of how I was trained. Um, so when I did a 5k workout versus a steeple workout, I believe I was hitting times um, about 20 to 30 seconds slower per lap uh, or per, I would say per lap, but obviously we did a lot of different things. Like I know I did um, more like 300 based stuff and a little bit more faster type of work than I was for a 5k. Um, But I, I do remember consciously going through my steeple workouts and being, and feeling like, Oh, this is so slow. Or like, and it's not slow because when you're in the race and and you're looking at your splits and you're like, I need to be there. It's perfectly right on to what, what I was training for, but I would be looking at my teammates doing their 5k workouts and realizing that they're going so much faster than me, at least of what I would think or what I kind of thought in my head at the time. Um, But it is, it is substantial. Like I was training substantially slower for the steeple and when you get when you get into like the faster kind of more elite steeplers it's not too big of a change um it's actually pretty impressive because they're running very very fast and still doing all of the obstacles but in like my uh speed at the d3 level i remember it being a little bit uh, more of like an impact of being slower than obviously like an elite would
0: gotcha yeah, I know when I first got into obstacle course racing, I would look at some of the times from some of the guys like coming in the top three of the race. And I'm like, that, they're not running very fast, but like they are, it's just the obstacles. Um, one, add a bunch of time. And then two, you don't realize how much it takes out of you. Just like you were saying, just, it breaks up your stride and all of a sudden you go from a comfortable stride into like an explosive movement and then back into what's supposed to be a comfortable stride, but it feels a lot harder. And I know yeah. I, I've looked at myself on video at races, um, you know, when people have live streaming stuff and I've, while I'm running, I'm like, I'm moving so slow. It's embarrassing. I can't believe someone's videotaping me. And then I go back and watch the video and I'm like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not that bad. Like I look like, but at the time I felt like I was running very, very slowly. Now yeah. with your steeplechase training, you know, how much, you know, in, a, in like a week long training block, how many times are you doing something that's steeplechase specific? And how many times are you doing, straight running workouts.
1: Um so it's gonna it was a little different for me and I'm not sure as if like a higher level of um like a more elite level of running did it differently. But I was because steeple is such a beating in your body, um I ended up doing race like training for steeple every other week. like for a race. So I only race steeple every other week and I would do 5K on the track in between. Uh, my coach was a pretty big advocate of not doubling at track meets unless it was absolutely necessary. So I would actually do steeple workouts. Um, I would train for the steeple like probably one or two times versus, and then the rest was 5k uh, basically because your 5k is basically your base for the steeple. So she wanted to make sure I was still getting my base while also doing technical stuff. Um, What's funny is I actually, was a hundred meter hurdler in high school. Um, so I was able that the technique of the hurdles of the barriers was actually not what I needed to work on. I needed to work on the running in between and the acceleration into the barrier. So one thing too, that people think is like, okay, that's a barrier or that's that's a jump. Like there's a hurdle or hurdle to people means like there's something in the way. But when you're training for steeple, you can't think of it as a hurdle or a barrier or something like a block. You actually think of it as an acceleration point. So you, you want to be accelerating into the barrier. And that was the running part that I needed the most work on versus like the techno technical technique of getting over it. Cause I could get over it just fine with all my like hundred meter hurdle training in high school. Like it, it was a very, I was a very interesting kind of athlete. I kind of was put, put everywhere in high school. So I tried a lot of things out. Um, I didn't get go forward sprinting, but because of that hurdle training, I was able to apply it to steeple and it was the best of both worlds for me.
0: Gotcha. Now I, I was loving the things you were saying there, you know, one that your unique background affects how you were training for a steeplechase. And I think in the OCR world, we have a lot of that, where some guys are coming from a running background, some are coming from an obstacle or strength background. So, you know, that, that affects how you're training for things. And then the other thing I, I really like is the, um, I'm an advocate of spending a lot of time running cause that's essentially what we spend most of our time doing during races and then really focusing on obstacle specific or kind of like more hybrid workouts. But I recommend like once or twice a week uh, where you mm-hmm. com- combine everything where I think a lot of people who get into OCR are like, well, now I'm an obstacle course racing. So I, everything's gotta be a high intensity workout and I got to do obstacles at every workout. And it's like, well, you know, maybe give your upper body some time to rest and, um, recover a little bit before you start hammering it again with more, more pull-ups and back, back work there.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, Cool. And now you said uh, you just trying to transition to casual running, any kind of uh, short-term or long-term goals coming up for run training?
1: You know, I, I actually don't have anything in my, in terms of racing. Um, I'm kind of one of those people where I am mentally exhausted from racing my entire life to where for me to enjoy running, I can't make it feel like a chore anymore. And if it feels like a chore when I start training heavily for something and putting pressure on myself that I need to get out there and need to do a specific pace, um, mentally, I'm just so fried with that mindset that I've actually veered away from that type of running and I'll actually put that kind of mental, um, like, drive into lifting. So I've actually started lifting in the gym more, um, and really strengthening my body and, and focusing on like, I know my right side's a lot, uh, less strong. My left side carries me through a lot of my like stride, just knowing how I run. So I've been working on strengthening my right side of the body, uh, making sure I don't have like one glute that's doing more work than the other. And just kind of like balancing out in a more strength, uh, environment versus only running and only going out there doing like six miles every single day and I have to do that or like that's what I that's the way I know knew how to uh, like train and, and, and run in the past but now I've been incorporating more of that gym aspect and I love it like that's what gets me up in the morning is it's like yeah I'm gonna go for my little four mile run maybe but then I'm gonna go to the gym and, and do the things that are different or that are kind of spice it up for me which is kind of where I feel like I have a theme like if I do one type of, of uh, training for too long, I'll get sick of it. So I need to incorporate that kind of uh, balance.
0: Gotcha. I love it. Sounds like a good plan for long term success. And uh, like how you switch focus and found something else that that motivates you. And I, you know, a lot of my friends, I I used to run in high school, but I was terrible. And a lot of my like, my friends that used to run and were really serious about it, all burnt out. Um, And because I guess maybe because I didn't take it too seriously, and was just kind of doing it to get out of Marching band practice. (laughs) Um, I like, you know, I was the opposite. I kind of, I kind of took it very unseriously for a long time. And then uh, once I got into the army and started training for stuff like that, then I started taking it more seriously. We're now a little more on the obsessive side, but yeah, good stuff. I hear you. I, you know, I think we've established that you, you know, fitness and, you know, training and um, you know, recovery. So how did you end up finding UFOs and start working for them?
1: Yeah. So, uh, big, I'm a big running nerd in terms of the gear. Like I was always obsessed with the shoes. I always had, you know, two to three pairs on rotation just because I liked different colors and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I started to become a little bit of a running shoe kind of geek and I ended up working at a running store locally after college while I was doing all of this half marathon training, but also working at a store. So my life was consumed with running and, I quickly realized that if you're going with more um, mileage and putting all this more stress on the body for these kind of types of of races, that recovery is very necessary. And I was working at a store where I saw all the different uh, recovery, you know, gear, whether that was a foam roller, whether that was, you know, all the different massage types of guns that are now out and stuff like that. And now, um, obviously I work for UFOs and I only tried on UFOs because I worked at that store um, because I personally was like, okay, they're a sandal that people say are good for you. Like, what are these about? And and one of the reps that was uh, for the California rep at the time came into our store and gave us a little bit of a clinic, ended up giving us a free pair. And I started wearing them around and quickly realized that this is not just a sandal. Um, And it was, it kind of opened my eyes to a whole different, you know, I I used to be, let's go out there, let's run. And then, you know, if I have time to stretch, maybe I will. But now I realize there's like this whole other recovery component that actually makes you feel good in the long run. And UFOs is a huge part of that recovery realm.
0: Yeah, awesome. Now, you know, People see them in stores, like you said, and it's like, oh, cool, it's a sandal. But like, you know, what makes Ufos unique and what makes it an actual recovery product versus me just throwing on a pair of, you know, $5 sandals I bought at, you know, whatever, the dollar store or whatever, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like, I think we've all been there, as you just said. Um, Ufos is, I would say, pioneering that kind of recovery footwear industry because it's uh it's actually good for your body due to our foam Uh, it always comes back to our foam our foam actually absorbs about 40 percent more impact from your muscles and joints than any foam on the market so that five dollar sandal that you purchase is probably made out of some very kind of like basic form of eva or a type of foam that is found in running shoes and evas and tbus all those types of foams are actually or blends of them are found in, in reactive or running shoes. The, those are the foams that get you off the ground to propel you forward. Well, foam is meant to do the exact opposite. We don't necessarily want to be reactive. We want to absorb. So we're an impact absorbing foam. And that's kind of where we started too. So so just to give you background of ufos and, and kind of how we started was uh, one of our uh, chemists was working on foams and his mother was having a hip surgery and she couldn't really walk well afterwards, he created a f- something that looks very similar to what we call our original sandal uh, for her so she could walk around and feel comfortable with. And it was an impact absorbing foam, which is now Oofoam. foam is that kind of absorbent type of foam. And it was something that she was able to put on and walk around with and not feel as much pain. Uh, our founders kind of collaborated with this chemist and said, you know, we can make something really good here. Uh, they later tested it on some of the factory workers too, that, that worked for this specific chemist. Now we've actually created that footbed and that's why we call our first ever footbed, the original, which is very classic looking uh, sandal, like a thong style flip flop uh, that we started with. And that's kind of where it came from.
0: Yeah. Awesome. You know, the first time I tried them on, you know, I did this, this, stereotypical, you know, Ooh, we like, as you, as you step forward, um, very comfortable. And, you know, mo- most, when we partnered with you guys with the conquer the gauntlet Pro team, most of the team had never used them before. And since, you know, everyone on the team now has them, you know, like people, people, <laughs> people have several pairs now and they like, they always want more. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was amazing to see how many people were like, ah, yeah, it's a sandal. And then like you start wearing it for a little bit and then you're like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> like, you know, it's good for, you know, especially from on my side, the ultra running side, but then we also have a lot of short course athletes and, you know, trainers who are on their feet all day, standing around gyms, or, um, we used to have one of the, one of the members on our team used to be a bartender and she used to wear them behind the bar all day because she's standing. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, that actually brings up a really good point too. And UFOs is not meant for just athletes. Uh, As you said, there was, you know, people in the service industry, all these different types of people or people who are recovering from surgery. You don't have to be an athlete to wear UFOs. I would probably call UFOs your 23-7 shoe. Obviously, you have shoes that you need to do things in, whether that's a dress shoe you wear to work, uh, whether that's a cleat that you have to be in for some sort of specific something, a heel for ladies that are, you know, out in doing some sort of thing that needs to be a little bit dressed up. Um, Those you, even in your, just your running shoes, like when you're not in those type, that small little bubble of shoes that you need to be in, you can be wearing UFOs every other time. Right? So it's a 23 seven shoe. And that's why we have all these different styles. So we can cater to your, lifestyle, whether that's an open-toed product, closed-toed product, a clog product, whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. So can you take us through a little bit, some of the different uh, products you have? I know you, yeah. mentioned, you so, mentioned a couple of them, but go a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
1: We started out with, which was the original, which is kind of what the background I just gave you. And obviously people don't like things between their toes. We we made the OOA. So the funny thing about UFOs is obviously you've there's a double o at the front. it's UFOs Ooh is a sensation you kind of feel when you put it on. so our names kind of go along with that ooh uh, trend. So the original, then we have the oA, which is that slide. it's open toed. You just kind of slip right into it. Uh, then we started making the Klug, the clog style of a shoe. Obviously it's the, t- the top of the product's closed toe, but the heel is open. Um, so we went with a clue we also have our umg which is our closed toed shoe uh that one is basically a very porous kind of uh four-way mesh on the top that actually stretches kind of very nicely to encompass the foot not restricted in any way i'm gonna so i'm have,
0: gonna interrupt you for a second that those are my favorite the the OMG,
1: uh yeah the
0: shoes because like you said the top is so soft you know and if especially if I've done stuff for the army where like I'll get blisters on my heel or something or on various parts of my foot and I can still wear those shoes and it doesn't chafe anything. So it's, it's, it's a really good, uh, really good shoe. Those are my favorite. Okay. Keep going. Yeah.
1: It's a generous fit. Exactly. And, and that's the shoe that, that shoe, um, I dress it up and down. I've worn it out to dinner with like a nice pair of black jeans and a blouse and then I also wear it right with my yoga pants or uh after a run with my shorts or something like that too so that's super universal shoe um but the the UMG has a couple different uppers we just came out with the easy which is a canvas style upper, and you don't even have the, if you ever looked at our normal UMG, our first one, it does have a little bit of a strap over the top. Our Easy is actually a more canvas style. It does look a little bit more casual, and it does not have that strap over the top. That's kind of our um, newest kind of, product and it's personally now my favorite so um and I think it's just it's just a different style of the upper we do have also a, an adjustable strap sandal it's called the flex uh you basically just it's like a slide but with a velcro strap it looks a little bit sportier um, but that's kind of our line in a nutshell and what's awesome about our line is even if it's a shoe that you might be wearing or it's a Kluge or it's a, it's a sandal, the bottom remains the same. So we have a patented footbed that actually stays uniform in all of the different styles across the board for UFOs. So once you kind of know that feeling, you're going to be replicating that feeling in a, in a sandal, a shoe, a clog or whatever you end up wearing.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Good info there. Now, what about for, you know, cleaning them? I know we take them to OCR races. So there's a lot, usually a lot of mud on the course and, you know, post race, I pretty much take off my running shoes and I throw on the UFOs and sometimes they get a little bit of muddy. You know, what's your, yeah. yeah. How do you clean, yeah, wait, go so, for it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, my favorite, favorite fun fact about UFOs that I hope you guys see value into is that they're machine washable. Um, so you can throw all of the product, whatever style it is, straight into the wash with cold water and just let it air dry. Um, what's great uh, and why this kind of is a fun fact is most of the time, too, when you're wearing your really good performance style shoes, you don't really want to wash them because it breaks down the foam. Um, with our product, is we're a closed cell foam. What a closed cell foam means is that nothing gets inside of it to, to penetrate it and like break it down so every kind of like dirt debris kind of stuff like that stays and remains on the top so you could do something simple as like hosing them off outside before you go go in to the house Um, or you can throw them into the wash or scrub them with soap and water in the sink whatever you need to do with it um or however you choose to clean it 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 doesn't really uh, absorb any water inside of it. So you're not breaking it down in any way. And and that's something too that, I mean, because of that, we also float too. So if you lose us on a river or something like that, we're just going to be hanging out right on top of the water. Um, so yeah, it's it's a cool. And I think with that point, just obviously we know we're in a big pandemic right now with, with COVID and it's something too that uh, the medical society and, and medical uh, personnel have really found value in too, because they can take a shoe and work in it. Let's say they're working in a clog or a closed toed shoe and they're maybe in a COVID unit. They can come home, throw them straight in the wash, not even have to deal with the germs of it because it doesn't go inside of the shoe. It just remains on top.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. And I know I was following your Instagram over the last couple months and they, uh, you guys donated a bunch to a bunch of first responders, which was really cool to see right at mm-hmm. the beginning of the pandemic. So good stuff yeah, there. I mean-
1: we actually just, our most recent um, kind of donation was to uh, about 30 schools across the United States, um, honoring teachers as essential workers as well. And so we, we just ended up doing a huge um, kind of like outreach for them. And the results have been amazing. I mean, seeing teachers who have been changing their way of teaching for this amount of crazy crazy pandemic whether it's zoom in store like some of the teachers are even doing half and half we realized we needed to do something for them as well so we just ended up doing big teacher drop as well as the medical uh drops earlier in the year so yeah i think it's it's a cool very giving brand um they also donate two percent of all of their sales to uh dana farber breast cancer research so UFOs is extremely generous and we are our um Mission statement is to make you feel better, and that's exactly what they live by in everything that they do.
0: Awesome, great stuff. Any? Can you give us any teasers or anything UFOs may have coming down the pipe in the next uh, couple months or year?
1: Um. So, the biggest thing that we just came out with is the easy, as I was saying earlier, which is that canvas type of upper. Um, I won't necessarily know much more about what's coming out um, because we only usually bring like one new style out a year and this is kind of what it was for this year. So I unfortunately do not know.
0: All right. That's, Mm -hmm. that's all right. Well you you guys do have a pretty wide range of products there. Yeah. Between all the different things you describe. So.
1: But I mean, if, if anything, I mean the way that we, we kind of been have been releasing product is, Um, We do a lot of new color styles, so I do know that there's a bunch of new prints and styles coming uh, next year and you might already have seen some of them, but um we have leopard styles and and snake we're getting all these kind of fun prints coming out and i know that they're going to be releasing them in different styles next year so if you like any type of camo or snake or leopard type prints you're about to see a lot of those coming next year in some of our other products so you can keep an eye out for that in terms of different styles of ufos yeah i'm unfortunately not in the know but i do know that we're going to have some new cool colors coming out for 2021
0: awesome well Absolutely great stuff. Any final thoughts you want to sh- uh, share about UFOS, the stuff we didn't cover?
1: Yeah, um, I I would just say that UFOS is kind of, like I said, one of those 23-7 shoes. Um, I think with everyone kind of working from home and, and taking more of a remote virtual uh, stand in their everyday life, um, we've actually proven that wearing us uh, around hardwood floors instead of frying those nerve endings uh, of the feet are actually a lot better for you. We just became uh, an APMA certified, which is the American Podiatric Medical Association. They have actually uh, given us their seal of acceptance and have said that UFOs does benefit you. So if you're feeling any ache and pain from, you know, using, you know, walking around barefoot at home, uh, working from home in the last couple months, I highly recommend checking out a pair of UFOs because they'll make your life a little bit easier there. Um, and then, you know, honestly, just any other aches and pains that you or a family member might have. Um, like I said, UFOs is not just a, you know, post-workout shoe. You can actually wear them if you've, you know, as if, as our, our uh, chemist's uh, mom, she obviously had a, a hip surgery, you know, anyone who has knee, uh, hip, lower back, uh, ankle, any type of those injuries, UFOs actually absorbs about 37% of impact, right? So you're actually doing something for your body. You're taking some of that pressure and impact off of those areas that may be hurting you. So if you you or anyone around you has any type of bout with plantar fasciitis, bone spur, neuropathy, any of those aches and pains, I strongly urge you to try on a pair of UFOs because they'll make your life a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I think one of the owners of Conquer the Goal, I think maybe his brother or someone, had broken their foot or something. And actually, for there was a period where UFOs was the only thing he could wear and like feel comfortable walking around in, which is pretty pretty wild. And then I know, I know after, yeah, yeah, again, I'm ultra focused. After my ultras, I'll wear UFOs even around the house just because, you know, like you said, the, you know, my feet are everything's kind of hurts and just stepping on the hardwood floors is actually a little uncomfortable. So it was actually more comfortable to wear UFOs even around the house. So,
1: yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, just to give you guys a visual, cause I know this is obviously an audio podcast um, think about you walking in you know, sand or grass or very soft substrates like we used to when we were hunting our own food. Those surfaces are what we were specifically made to walk on and everything around us, you know, whether it's tile, concrete, hardwood floors, all these kind of harder surfaces are man-made and our bodies were not made to, to walk on these barefoot for long periods of time. That's why our feet ache. Um, And even shoes, too. Shoes were something that we put on our our feet, right? So those surfaces, if you're walking in like a nice sand or grass, like your toes can splay out in all different directions. The sand comes between your toes. Your foot's in a very natural kind of uh, state, and our footwear mimics that. So if you ever kind of want to feel kind of what UFOs might feel like, imagine you walking in that nice and sandy, grassy surfaces, but still being in footwear.
0: Gotcha. Now, one of the things I've loved about, you know, I've talked to several people that work for UFOs and everyone I've talked to has some sort of athletic background. And I really enjoyed that because I tend to trust athletes more um, that have a athlete related product versus someone who's just like a business person trying to sell me a product. So um, let's kind of take it back to your, some of your athletic background before we let you go. You know, we talked about Siebel Chase and some of your running background, you know, what lessons, yeah, and you've participated in a lot of sports, you know, what lessons do you think you can, we can take from some of the sports you've participated in and apply them to the world of obstacle course racing?
1: Um, you know, I think my biggest thing is, is that mental mindset. Like, you know, you, you can be going through the motions, but if you're not mentally invested in what you're doing, you're not going to be on the same page of, of what you need to be doing. So like my, my, I struggled with this a lot in college in terms of, you know, steeplechase or even like in soccer when I was frustrated and I couldn't shake the frustration. Like I was a lot more immature back then. I remember my coach would pull me out of the game and be like, sit down on the bench and like, figure it out. Like you're too much in your head. You're too much, you know, you're, you're a hothead. You got to like calm down to be put back in the game. Any type of um, kind of just, I think mentally being able to compartmentalize what needs to happen and, and how like, Big the mental aspect of any sport is like if you're not having a moment, maybe a couple days before a race, and knowing, like, okay, here's this is gonna hurt when it starts to hurt, I need to think about this, or like really just mentally putting yourself in those situations before you actually are in the situation, uh, and and kind of coming up with a plan of attack on when I hit this wall or when I feel like this, what do I need to do? And I think that there's a big part of being that kind of in a better mental mindset for any sport you do. So, you know, if you get knocked off the ball in soccer and maybe you have to backtrack and you could have cost a goal or something like that, like you need to be able to understand what needs to happen in your own mind for you to actually execute to the best of your ability physically.
0: Awesome. Very, very good advice there. All right. We're going to let you go before we go. Uh, I did not prep you with this question. So um, mm-hmm. normally we ask people tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. And um, you know, as an athlete, I'd be, and someone who works in the athletic world, I'd be curious uh, to find out. So you know, if there's something it doesn't have to be fitness related. Actually, in fact, the more obscure, typically, the better. Um, if you'd like to share with the group, if not, yeah, that's a ooh,
1: that's a question. Um, So in college, I actually um, did a lot of research with herpetology, which is the study of reptiles. Um, So when I see uh, snakes or lizards of a specific style, or not style, but a different, a specific kind of lizard, I kind of freak out and geek out over it. I was on a run with my friend the other day and a little baby gardener snake had happened to walk by or slither by, I guess they don't really walk, that's silly. But um, I would, I picked it up right away. I was like, oh, cool snake. And he looked at me and he was like, are you kidding me? I hate snakes. Like, and here I am just like looking at it, classifying it, seeing if it's a male or female. And I'll do that with all different types of lizards. Uh, But I did study it and did my capstone on um, like Western fence lizards in college. So yeah, big, big reptile nerd.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, the closest thing I have to that is I was a boy scout growing up and I had a lot of merit badges. One of them was reptile and amphibian study, but I don't really have any good stories from that. But I got another one called insect study where we actually had to like collect 50 different types of insects. So for a while at boy scout camp, I was like catching all these random bugs. And then like, since you stick a pin through them onto the board. Um, and then I had that, I had this box full of like 50 dead insects in my basement for a couple of years. I think we finally threw it out you know some the the little ones were preserved fine uh some of like the big meatier ones like they don't like you know I wasn't doing anything to preserve them I was just sticking a pin through them so like um, that's crazy so yeah
1: project (laughs)
0: yeah yeah I got that merit badge insect study and most people did not get it again because you know you're like oh 50 insects and then like you start you're like you really start thinking about it and you there's a lot of bugs that's a lot of bugs to collect because you you keep finding the same ones the same type of spider the same fly the same you know mosquito and then you're like all right now what do I do so it took (laughs) it took quite a while to uh of me like paying attention to things and digging through (laughs) uh bugs to try to find all them but yeah
1: that's a that's a great project maybe (laughs) I'll uh, assign that to someone one day
0: (laughs) All right, we're going to get going. Uh, Natalie, thanks for coming on, sharing a lot of great information, both about Steeplechase and Ufos. Any Before we go, any final uh, shout-outs you want to give friends, friends family, etc.?
1: Um, I, no, I, thanks for having me on here. Um, I just would say encourage everyone to just go try it on and see what it's about. That's, that's kind of like what I'll end on because I think that they'll change your life just because of how comfortable they are. They're making it a, a lot nicer for you.
0: Awesome. Well, again, thanks for coming on. If you want to hear more from Natalie, I think at some point in the next couple months, she's going to be on changing the game with uh, Jay Flores. So uh, Jay Flores doing that science, technology, engineering, and math YouTube show slash Instagram live video where he talks about, you know, how science and uh, STEM related topics and fitness are crossover points. And UFOs is definitely in that category. And if you want to go back and listen to some of the other ones, he had Michelle Warnke from the pro team on who's you know, six times American Ninja Warrior finalist on there. So lots of good stuff. And then other than that, check Mud Run Guide. I'm continuing to push out articles. Uh, Amy Padgett's article just went up with, she wrote a couple of children's books. So you can go over and check that out. And then last but not least, uh, teamstrengthspeed.com. If you need Blegmits or you want to read any of the books I wrote, you can pick them up up there or they're also available off Amazon. All right, Natalie, thanks again for coming on. Uh, We'll catch up to you later.
1: Bye, everyone.